pray for Sister Georgia Phillips as well. Well, this morning the title of our lesson is Found Faithful, and our family theme is Faithfully Following God. Our objective this morning is that we would rely, at least learn to rely on God's power, that we would keep living for God, and to do whatever it is that God might lead us to do. We're going to be in the Old Testament today in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 2, and our text, our study verses are verses 1 through 15. We've got two key truths we're looking at this morning. Number one, faithful believers serve God how long? Yeah, forever, as long as we live. Key truth number two, faithful believers seek God's power to accomplish God's work. Two great key truths. Uh, today we're encouraged to uh, review John 8:12, where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now think about that. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Thank God for that light of Jesus Christ. We're also encouraged to review Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the medicine of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. How many glad he's your Redeemer this morning? That ought to be our prayer. Every time we, sh- we share anything from God's Word, or we pray, or we, or we have conversation, that our words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart, would be acceptable, acceptable in the sight of God. So where does this story fit in the overall story of the Bible? Well, again, we're in the Old Testament. We are in Second Kings. This takes place after the kingdom was divided. Now, so you have the northern kingdom, which is referred to as Israel most of the time, and the southern kingdom of Judah. It takes place about 850 years before Christ, and it covers today's stories specifically about the transition from Elijah to Elisha. Anybody ever heard of those two fellows? Jordan, have you ever heard of them? <laughs> I'm picking on Jordan because we know we both love these two prophets of the Old Testament. Now, uh, Let's do our get started this morning. Uh, what are some of the qualities? What are some of the qualities that believers should display to give examples? Uh, you know, to be an example to other people. What What are some of the qualities they ought to, they ought to display? Say what, Lavenda? Okay, compassionate others. Dan, you had something. Being honest, all right. Wayne, did you try to say something? Oh, they did? Okay, all right. But yeah, all these things. Now, it's interesting. I couldn't help as we as I went through this lesson this week, and especially with the, uh, the title being found faithful, uh, Paul wrote to the Church of Corinth, and he says, it's required of a steward, most of all, to be found faithful. That's what God is looking for. Now, is God looking for perfect performers? No. First of all, it's not a performance, okay? God's just looking for people who are willing to be faithful in their walk with God. Now, certainly, uh, I would hope that in your life, you have come across uh, more than just one, but several probably, of people who have displayed those kind of qualities in their life. Now, again, there are cert- certain a lot of different qualities we could talk about this morning. 
But I think probably the, the two most important qualities we ought to have is faithfulness and determination. So my question is, why would they be important? Why would they be important? Amen. If you don't make a decision early on, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to do that. And it's that decision to be determined is going to help us be faithful in our walk with God. Remember, of a steward, most of all, it's required that they be found faithful. Now, we're in 2 Kings this morning in chapter 2. And, uh, of course, if there's a 2 Kings, there has to be what? Uh, first Kings. All right, we're awake this morning. And uh, so far, uh, beginning around, I think, chapter, and George, you can correct me on this if you, if you remember better than mine, about chapter 18 when Elijah came on the scene, the first king, somewhere around there. But up to this point, uh, Elijah's been the man. He's been God's man for the hour. And so the latter part of first Kings up to chapter 2 of second Kings, it primarily focuses on the ministry and the service of Elijah. Now, my question would be, and this is kind of a rhetorical question, do you think Elijah made a difference in the world he lived in? Sure he did. He had a great impact. We know about Elijah. But anyway, but here in chapter 2, we're going to see a, a, a transition or a shift in that ministry from Elijah to Elisha. And keep in mind, Elisha was one who had served faithfully, if you will, for several years by the side of Elijah, Elijah if you will, sort of as an assistant or an apprentice as a prophet, and so probably seven or eight years. So here in chapter 2, we see the transition now from Elijah to Elisha. Now, now think about that. Is that important? Because a lot of times when we see men like Elijah, someone like Moses, and we're thinking in our mind, what's going to happen when them guys go? But the truth is what? Yeah, God's got a man, right? God has got a man to take their place. So let's pick that up in chapter 2 of 1 Kings. Let's read the first eight verses. And the first key truth is faithful believers... Determined to serve God as long as they live. Somebody volunteer, let's read the first eight verses. Second Kings 2.
I thank you, Brother Dan. What an interesting uh, dialogue or story we have here this morning in Second Kings. Um, I, I, I did take some time, and I should have um, emailed Jason a copy of a map of the travel that's going on here as this is the last day of Elijah uh, here on this earth. Now, first of all, I need to realize Elijah was a prophet in the northern kingdom. Uh, mainly in the area of Samaria, okay? And that's how him and Ahab became buddies. That, that kind of a, 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 maybe a wrong use of words there. Uh, you know, it was Ahab who said to Elijah, he asked him a question. He said, Elijah, are you the one troubling Israel? What did Elijah say? It's not me, it's you, okay? So they were from Samaria. So this Gilgal, there's a Gilgal just north of the Dead Sea uh, there in Israel. Uh, but it's not the only Gilgal. There's also one about seven, eight, ten miles north uh, of Bethel. So that's probably the Gilgal, Samaria, where uh, Elijah began this journey. Now, notice, uh, again, this is giving us the history of what went on that day. And uh, how did Elijah, now we know it's by God's grace, but how did Elijah go to heaven? Say it again. Okay, a whirlwind. You surprised me, okay? Because uh, a lot of times people talk about a chariot of fire. Now, but it was a whirlwind that took him in to heaven. I can't imagine that scene, can you? Uh, what, a, what a scene it must have been. But nonetheless, it's, it's the day that uh, this is going to take place. And so now here's Elijah. And my question t- this morning would be, do you think that Elijah knew that this day was going to be the day. What? Who said that? Okay, why, Dan? <laughs> Amen. Everybody else knew it. And how do you think they knew it? Yeah, God told them, or Elijah told them, because God had told Elijah. So he knew. But also Elisha knew as well. And so, so don't miss that. Now, if I'd have been Elijah, I might have said, you know what? It's my last day on earth. I'm going to kick back. I'm just going to take my time or whatever, okay? And, but God has a job for him to do. And so he says to Elijah, he says, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. So again, why is Elijah going to Bethel? And God told him to go there. You know, go there. And so, again, they were at Gilgal, uh, probably a, a place where they could enjoy their time together, relax a little bit. But no, Elijah says, God has sent me. So he says to Elisha, why don't you just go, and I'll paraphrase, stay here, kick back, and enjoy the day. What's Elisha say? No, not going to do it. I am going to go wherever you go. Now, folks, it's interesting to me that uh, for the, at least eight years, probably, scholars guess that Elisha had been a faithful com- companion and assistant to Elijah. Was he going to stop now? No. 
He absolutely refused to stop. In fact, according to what I read there in verse 2, Elisha made a vow, didn't he? He, made, he took an oath. As sure as the Lord lives, he says, as my soul lives, I will not leave you. Now, we talked about determination a moment ago. Is that determination? Absolutely. We talk about faithfulness, also faithfulness. And that has to be two of the priorities in our life, being faithful and determined in our walk with God. Now, also, one of the reasons that God is sending Elijah to these cities, in these cities are the schools of the prophets. Now, these were not prophets by, uh, because their daddy was a prophet necessarily. It's where they were trained by Elijah, and of course, Elisha would help in that, to declare the revealed word of God. They would also be available to assist Elijah or Elisha, whoever it may be. So, in Bethel, there was a school of those prophets. That's what the sons of prophets mean. They weren't descendants of a prophet necessarily, but they were training, if you will, to assist in declaring God's revealed word. Now, by the way, how many Bibles did they have back then? So, God's word had to be revealed. They were part of that. So, they come to Elisha, these prophets in Bethel. What do they tell him? What do they ask him, actually? Yeah, did you know that God is going to take Elijah from you today? Now, it's interesting, and I, I did some research on it even this morning a little bit. Uh, I never realized it to this detail. Uh, Elisha says there in verse 3, yeah, I said, I know. But he said, hold your peace. Now, I, I guess the Hebrew is more emphatic and more uh, deliberate. It literally means... Don't remind me of this sad time. I know it's coming. I already know it. Just don't remind me because sadness is, you know, the idea is it's it's breaking my heart. So then he's at Bethel and Elijah comes to Elisha and said, just wait here. Because now God is sending me to Jericho. So what's Elisha say? I'm going to go with you. In, in fact, <clears throat> as we consider, we've, and we've read this before, I know you have. What would cause Elisha to stop following Elijah? Nothing. Unless God took his life, of course. He was determined to follow Elijah wherever they went. So they leave Bethel and they go to Jericho. And, of course, there's another school of prophets, and that's why Elijah went there to encourage these young prophets. And so, again, the same thing that happened at Bethel happened to Jericho. What do these young prophets say to Elijah or ask him? Yeah, do you know? Do you know what's going to happen to your master today? And, of course, Elisha gives the same response. So they start in Bethel. Actually, they start in Gilgal, go to Bethel, move to Jericho. And at Jericho, Elijah says to Elisha, wait here. 
Just wait here because now the Lord is sending me to Jordan. So Elijah says, you know, I think I, I don't like Jordan that good. I don't swim well. I'll just stay here. Is that what he said? No. As my soul lives, as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. And so they move on. Now, by this time, according to verse 7, there were 50 of these young prophets decided they want to get a front row seat. They want to get a front row seat. And I don't know how far away they were, I think within sight. They watched as Elijah and Elisha walked up to the Jordan River. It took them a while, but they finally, finally found a bridge. What happened? They didn't need a bridge. What happened, Wayne? Wow! Elijah takes his mantle, he smites the water, and the water parts. But here's what always gets me when I read any account like this. It happened with Moses at the Red Sea. It happened with Joshua at the Jordan River before they go into the Promised Land. The Bible says they walked across on what kind of ground? Dry ground. Now, why is that amazing? <laughs> it was just wet, yeah. Now, uh, boy, they didn't sink down. They walked across on dry ground. Now, please understand, we were told at the beginning of the chapter what was going to happen that day. That God was going to come and take Elijah and take him to heaven. Do you realize nothing like that had happened since Genesis chapter 5 when God told who? Enoch. To just come up to heaven. And God translated him. What a miraculous event this is. What an honor it was for Elijah to go home that way. Now, again, and I think all of us would agree with this, uh, Elijah was one of the most significant prophets in the, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. And in chapter 17 of 1 Kings, he just kind of appears out of nowhere. We don't know anything about his family. We know he was a Tishbite. We don't know about his parents, nothing like that. But he comes on the scene just like that, and just I mean, from the start, he begins by challenging Ahab. Who was Ahab? He was a king, right? Now, by the way, if you made a king mad back in that day, could it be detrimental to you? Why? Huh? What did you say? Yeah. I mean, he could literally have your head, right? But Elijah, the first thing he does, he challenges Ahab. 
So by the way, what, what is it we probably know Elijah best for? I mean, a lot of things he did, but what's probably the number one thing we, we think about that he did? Say it again. What happened? Yeah, amen. There on Mount Carmel, the prophets of Baal. Now, now, wow, what a story, right? I mean, how can you not admire this man? But you know what, what I like about Elijah, what the Bible talks about him in James? He was a man just like us, was he not? Just like us. He had passions like us. He wasn't perfect. We know that. Uh, did Elijah ever have a pity party? You know them. Once when you invite our brothers to join with you, you know, feel sorry for me, woe with me. Sure he did. But still yet, he trusted in God. But also, who was with Moses at the transfiguration? Elijah was. He was there. Uh, Which prophet did John the Baptist model? Elijah. Elijah. So now here we have Elijah getting ready to leave. And God has another man. That's Elisha. He's going to be the successor of Elijah as a prophet in Israel. And Elisha would serve as that prophet for about 60 years. God had a a work for Elisha to do. And so, back in 1 Kings 19, God had called Elisha to follow Elijah. And so, again, he spent those following years until chapter 2 of 2 Kings as his protege. It's also interesting, during the tenure of Elisha, Baal worship was eradicated in the northern kingdom. But also understand, if you want to try to describe this man, Elisha, he certainly was a humble man. He also had a love for the people of Israel. But also, he was faithful over his long tenure as a prophet. Now, I don't know, I didn't look ahead in our study guide very far. And I don't know if we're going to find the time when the king comes to Elisha. <clears throat> and Elisha says, I want you to take these arrows and I want you to smite the ground. And the king just took them and he just smote the ground three times. And it broke the heart of Elisha. And Elisha, don't you realize, God gave you the opportunity to do it as many as you wanted, as many times. And had you done it multiple times, more than three, God would have preserved this kingdom. He had preserved your kingdom, I'm talking of this king. And Elijah was broken hearted when he realized it simply wasn't going to come to pass. So he loved the people of Israel. So we look at several different times. Elijah speaking to his young apprentice. Three different times he says, stay here. What's Elisha say? 
Nope, going with you. Wherever you go, I am going to go with you. One time, two times, and three times. Now remember, let let me ask this question, okay? Just get some thoughts on this. And uh, probably no right or wrong answer here. I wonder why Elisha was so determined to be with Elijah when Elijah left this world. Any thoughts on that? You what now? Oh, I think that's, yeah, admiration, yeah. That's one of them, okay. Absolutely, yeah. So those are two of the great things. But I think another thing there, if you remember, there was there's a, there's certainly many examples in the Old Testament. Whenever a patriarch was about ready to die, he would call his children in and do what? Pass on blessings. And so Elisha had a great admiration for Elijah. He was expecting something unbelievable to happen. But also, I believe, he wanted Elijah to pass on a blessing to his life. Now, I think we need to be careful here, okay? Well, I better hold off on that. Yeah, let me hold off on that. But I think that's probably why uh, he expected that. Now, keep in mind, uh, these 50 prophets are watching, or sons of the prophets, and uh, the water does part, they go on dry ground. And it's interesting, and, and Jordan, I, I like what you said, because I think Elisha, because he was faithful, God rewarded him with the blessing of seeing God's power at work in his life, just as Elijah had done. And by the way, now keep in mind, Sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll, we'll allow our enemy, Satan, to deceive us into thinking it's over. But when Elisha saw Elijah part that water, now by the way, Elijah struck the water, but who parted it? God did. So God's not finished. God was not finished. Now, remember something here, okay? We talked about Moses a moment ago, and of course, I'm just reading this past week where God told Moses he couldn't enter into the promised land. And so because of that, you need to set aside Joshua before the people and anoint him as your successor. But it's interesting, one of the first things that Joshua did, or that God does for Joshua at the Jordan River was, God parted that water for Joshua. So what did that tell the people of Israel? Yeah, he's important. He's the man. Moses is gone. But don't worry, I didn't leave you without someone. Joshua is that man. So I think we can see a similarity here between Elisha succeeding Elijah, if you will, or coming after him, and Joshua's succession of Moses 
in the Old Testament. But also, Dan? That's right, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there could be no denying it. But also, Dan, I think in that same vein, these sons of the prophet for these many years have been serving Elijah. And now they know what? It's time to serve Elisha. The same God that was with Elijah is also with Elisha. And whether it was Joshua with Moses or Elisha now, they were chosen by God. But I like what you said, Dan. These 50 mentors, they saw it. They saw everything take place. Now, I don't know if you remember or not, early on in the Exodus, uh, you know, we have the uh, Levites. Uh, they were divided into the Kohathites and the Marathites. And I forgot the third. I think there were three divisions. But anyway, uh, the, the sons of Korah came up <clears throat> to Moses and Aaron and said, Who do you think you are? <clears throat> we're just as holy as you are. And we've got every right to do what you do because we are Levites as well. And how did that set with God? Not well. And so God says to them, well, you tell the people to separate themselves from them people. Separate them from their camps. And God caused the earth to divide up and they were gone. And so a demonstration that Moses was a man. Miriam and Aaron also thought, man, Moses, you're taking too much on yourself. You know, we're your brother and sister. We're Levites too, blah, blah, blah. And God struck Miriam with, with leprosy. And I don't know why he didn't Aaron, but he didn't. That's, that's God's choice. But understand, God is demonstrating here again, Elijah is going, but Elisha is going to take his place. So how, how do we apply it to our lives? We have to determine early on, we are going to walk with God all of our life and continually seek to do his will. So my question is, in a way of discussion, how would you describe what it means to walk with God every day? What does it mean to walk with God every day? How do we, how do we demonstrate that? How do we live that out? Anybody at all? Say what? Spending time with God. Somebody else? Oh, reading His Word. Why, Paul? Amen. Yes, indeed. I heard a preacher say the other day when he said, said uh, uh, these people talk about hearing God speak. He said, if you want to hear God speak out loud, read his word out loud. Amen. God speaks to us through his word. We've got to spend time with him every day. And that, that's how we demonstrate this uh, uh, of walking with God. So my question is this then. We know what we need to do, what we ought to do. Why, why is there or what does it? Why, what makes it difficult to stay faithful day after day? What makes it difficult? We're human. And guess who wants to destroy our walk with God? Satan does. And, you know, we have all these things pulling us the other direction. And even some things that are good in themselves can pull us too far from God. We've got to be careful. There's a battle going on in our lives. 
So that being true, knowing that battle is going on, what can we do to help us stay faithful all of our lives? Amen. Trust God. Um, I'm convinced that I need daily confession. How about you? And not just daily, sometimes almost moment by, almost moment, by moment. Keeping a clean sheet before God. Many, many years ago when my dad and I first went into business, I was, at that time I was just working for him. And uh, how many remember Kincaid Firestone there in, in Mount Carmel? That's when the Kincaids owed it. And the granddaddy, he was a Christian. And he was a retired preacher. And uh, I remember we were working on their, on their shop one day, uh, several times actually, and he'd come in a couple hours a day and he'd push a broom. And all the while he's pushing that broom, he's whistling gospel songs. And uh, wasn't too long later, I did some work on his house personally, on his personal house. And I, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, you're, you, you know, now at that time I thought he was old, I don't think so anymore. I said, I can't believe you've still got that joy of God in your life. And it was so thrilling because, folks, we can be faithful of our lives. We can have that deep joy of God if we don't allow the enemy to come in. So first of all, our key truth, determine to serve God as long as we live. Second of all, we need to seek God's power to accomplish God's work. Somebody read verses 9 through 15, 2 Kings chapter 2. What a story. Or may I say, what a God. Now, it's, it's interesting here, and, and well, you just can't help but love how God works. Um, I need to ask you a question here before we go any farther here. We, we talk about, we're thankful we live in the age of grace. And it's true, we do. But how long has the age of grace been going on? Ah, thank you. 
at least since Genesis chapter 3, right? So even then, they were living in the age of grace. Now let that kind of stay in your mind as we continue on our journey on these verses this morning. Because Elisha had determined he was going to go on, he was not going to stay back. God gave Elisha the opportunity to hear, to see, and to experience a tremendous spiritual blessing that not many are allowed to see. And so Elijah, who knows he's going on, he asked Elijah, what do, I'm sorry, he, Elijah asked Elisha, what do you desire? So what Elisha asked for? Yeah, fell with his force of faithfulness. Well, what a greedy guy, huh? No, he wasn't greed. You see, Elisha knew God had a work for him to do. And Elisha knew that the work that God had him for him to do, whatever it was, he couldn't do it on his own. And he knew he needed the power of God. And he saw God at work in Elijah's life those eight or nine years he followed him. And he knew, well, by the way, do you think Elijah thought things were going to get better automatically? Probably not. It's only going to get worse. And so he says to Elijah, I want a double portion. And by the way, that's biblical, okay? He's not being greedy, not at all, but a principle we learn, I think it's back in Deuteronomy, uh, about the firstborn son. In fact, God is very emphatic and he tells Moses to tell the people that if your firstborn son is the hated one and your secondborn is the one you love, doesn't matter. The firstborn, whether you hate him or love him, he gets the double portion. And so that's a, a principle here. So that's what Elijah's asking for. He is, if you will, metaphorically a son of Elijah. And he says, I want a double portion. Now somehow, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of think Elisha realized he couldn't do it on his own. Now you remember when Solomon became king? And he goes to God and God asks Solomon, what do you want? You know what Solomon asked him? He said, Lord, I'm a young person. There's no way I can lead these people. I need your wisdom. And I think that's certainly what what Elisha is asking God here. Now, also understand, whether it's Elisha, Elijah, or us, we're engaged in spiritual power. And if we're going to win that battle, who do we need fighting it for us? We need God fighting it for us. We must have God fighting for us. So Elijah says to Elijah, give me a double, a double portion. Uh, 
Jordan, you cannot answer this question. Okay, because I know you know the answer. In relation to the miracles Elijah did, the ones that are recorded in the Bible, and the ones Elisha did, what kind of ratio was it? Anybody know? Okay, Jordan, they didn't know. It was what? It was double. He did exactly double the ones Elijah did. Give me a double portion. Now, it's interesting. <clears throat> Great request. But Elijah is honest. He said, you know what? You're asking me a hard thing here. Because the fact of the matter was, was that Elijah's to give? No. It was God's to give. Now, remember what I asked earlier about grace. How long has it been around? At least since Genesis 3, but I know it's been eternal. But as far as pertaining to man, when God gives man his grace. And Elijah says, if you are here and you see God take me, you will get the double portion. But what I want you to know, that was not a condition. It was evidence. It was an evidence that God had answered Elijah's request. Because everything we have is by grace. And we don't know how long, must not have been too long. But here we have these two prophets. And wouldn't you love to know what they talked about? So they're walking along and they're talking, and what happens? The whirlwind comes. A whirlwind comes. But not only that, there comes chariots of fire and horses of fire. And and don't forget, these were the most powerful army weapons or instruments available in that day. And the fire and the whirlwind were symbolic of God's presence. Probably a storm with lightning and thunder. And God was reminding Elisha through that of his presence and his power. And he says to Elisha, I want to remind you that my presence and my power is stronger than any military. Any military might at all. You don't have to be afraid, Elisha. You don't have to be afraid. Elisha watches it happen and he falls on his face and he cries out. Or I don't know if he falls on his face, but he cries out, My father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. Elisha realized that it was God who was Israel's power. It was God who was Israel's hope. And my friend, it's still true today. God is our hope. Elijah had experienced that power. And now the same could be said about Elisha. In fact, later on in 2 Kings 13, when Elisha dies, they cry out, the king does. My father the chariots and fire of Israel.
Elijah's gone. Elisha turns, and the indication here is... How much time I got left, Jason? Okay. And he walks back to the Jordan River. And the indication is he may have stood there. For a moment. Speechless. What more could you say? But yet, he doesn't stop. He picks up that mantle that Elijah had dropped. Because he realizes there's still work to do. Still more work to do. But that cloak was also symbolic of the work that God had given Elisha to do. So the Bible says in verse 14 that Elisha took that cloak, he struck that water, and what happened? It parted. Say it again. Dry ground again. Now, you have to know, folks, I'm wondering if I'm Elisha, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, here we go. But he cried out, where is the Lord God of Elijah? What did God show him? He's right here. He is right here. I don't know for sure, but I can only imagine there's 50 50 young prophets that their eyes get this big. The same thing Elijah had done earlier that day, Elisha is now doing. And so these young prophets realize not only was the position of Elijah filled, but also the power and the spirit of God, which is going to perform it through Elisha, is now become evident. And the Bible says they bowed to the ground in honor. What a story! What a God! And folks, I want to say today, it's a blessing to be faithful to God. Let's stand together. Dan, real quick. Oh. Yes, yes. Amen. Isn't that a blessing? Amen, amen. What a blessing that is. Thank you, Dan, for that sharing that testimony. Next week, we're still going to be Second Kings chapter 5, and we're going to find about a leper who wasn't sure what to do. Father, thank you for your precious word. Help us, God, to remain faithful. I'll ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.